thank you for listening to Let's Get Real with Joseph KG. The purpose of this podcast is to bring value, hope, and inspiration. You will hear real-life stories of individuals who have overcome some real obstacles and now sharing their story to give you hope and inspiration. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for letting us share. Now, let's get real. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Let's Get Real with Joseph KG. And as you guys heard in the intro, the purpose of this podcast is to bring you guys stories, real-life stories of people who've overcome and who their biggest mission is to share value. So as you guys know, one of the reasons I love bringing guests on here is as they share their stories, we learn from them. And David is a perfect example of this. David served as a CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. He also co-founded Sports One Marketing, which is arguably the largest sports marketing firm in the world. David Meltzer started with nothing and then nine months out of law school became a multimillionaire. He had just built his dream home. He'd bought a golf course, a ski mountain, and in the eyes of many had accomplished what we call success. But he felt empty and was completely unhappy with his life. Shortly after, David had filed for bankruptcy, lost it all, but then made it all back. Now, David is a serial entrepreneur who has now written two number one best-selling books on the topic of success, Connected to Goodness and Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. If you are looking for an example of someone who took their failures, turned them into success, and is now on a life mission to share his lessons with the world, in my personal opinion, there is truly no better man than the one we have today to bring you value. His life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. This simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, value. David Meltzer, thank you so much for taking your time to be here with us today. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Any type, I get a platform to help empower someone like you, who I know in your career, your lifetime, your journey will empower another thousand to empower another thousand, helping create a collective consciousness of happiness through mindset, heart set, and handset. I'm happy to give the time. And, and I appreciate that. And I, I want to start with that because, I mean, if you guys don't know David Meltzer, I've been following you for a while and I message a lot of people. And honestly, man, when you message back, I was like, I'm going to shoot him an email. And, and the fact of you being here today, to me, I was talking to my wife this morning. I mean, that is truly showing that like I'm willing to just bring value. You know, if I can, even if it's 10, 20, 30 minutes of your time, you're giving it freely today. And I, I got to say thank you for that. You know, it's interesting you bring up the time because I try to be productive every day to bring the most value I can to produce value, but I also try to be accessible, accessible to everyone. And every day we're only limited by the 24 hours that we're given. So uh, I appreciate uh, your patience and understanding that we have to limit the amount of time for interviews, for speeches, for coaching, for all the things that I do. So I challenge myself to be as productive provide as much value in less minutes than most people do in hours of time. And I've listened to your stuff, so you do such a good job at it. But let, let's get into it, David. Can you kind of take us to, you know, obviously you got out of law school. We, we talked about becoming a multimillionaire and then losing everything. Can you share with us briefly that story? Yeah, sure. Well, I was born in a world of not enough. Single mom, six kids. She packed my dinner in a paper bag so she could work two jobs and drove us around and we taught each other, read books, and the older siblings taught the younger siblings. And all I wanted to be and do 
was make money. I wanted to make enough money, be rich enough to buy my mom a house and a car. And I thought that that would complete my life. I uh, competed to complete. And that methodology, that mindset of making a lot of money to buy happiness worked for a while. In fact, not only did it work when I graduated law school, where I made my first million dollars nine months out of law school, but everything I did for the next 10 years out of law school confirmed one thing, money buys happiness. And as much as that sounds like a blessing, uh, it ended up being a great, as you had just in the introduction, that money doesn't buy love or happiness. And I ended up at the pinnacle of my career, multimillionaire, not only with all the money I ever dreamed of, but I had the dream job. I ran Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about the firm. So I had millions of dollars, but I had the access that even billionaires couldn't have. Sidelines at the Super Bowl, locker rooms, award show, backstage, on stage. It didn't matter. And yet when I went home at night in my mid-30s, 10 years after everything had confirmed that money buys love and happiness, I was empty. And what I learned through that journey was that I needed to shift the paradigm from that world of not enough to a world of more than enough. No longer would I buy things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. I was going to live in abundance. No longer was I going to try to be more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, and more worthy. I was going to live my life in faith. I am. I am part of an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, something bigger than me that loves me more than my mom. And I was protected and promoted at all times because there was more than enough. No longer was I going to live in trade and negotiation. No longer was I going to live in what's called a zero-sum game where it was a competition. I now was living in completion. Completion with me and my source that there was more than enough. So every time that I gave, I was adding value, and every time that I received, I was adding value. And all those who witnessed the giving and the receiving, we were adding value. We live in a value-add, abundant world, and so I shifted my paradigm to I am. I am happy. I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am worthy. I just started to figure out what I was doing to interfere with it, and that was the transition, the paradigm shift that allowed me to move from a world of not enough where I was a victim and being punished to a world of more than enough, a value-add world where I was connected to and through a great source, more than enough of everything for everyone. And that's the world that I live in today. Now, did did um, what, did that, did that you kind of find that before the bankruptcy and everything fell apart? Or was this through that moment, through, through going through the bankruptcy and, and sharing the story about your mother's home and stuff like that? When did you figure that out? That's a great question. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, I hit rock bottom two years before I lost all my money. Uh, there was three things that happened <clears throat> to lead me to my basement. The first <coughs> red flag was when I was 30. My father, who I'd been estranged to, he left when I was five, broke my heart when I was 10 by forgetting my birthday. And not only did he forget my birthday, which is bad enough, but he actually lied to me and told me that he didn't forget my birthday, that he uh, just didn't believe in birthdays, even though he's celebrating his birthday, his girlfriend's birthday, my siblings' birthdays. And so I called my dad a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, back-end seller. And 20 years later, 
at my pinnacle, married to my dream girl, building my dream home, my father sent me a jacket. It was the first gift he had given me in 20 years. And I thought it was a symbol of forgiveness, of understanding. And I opened up this present, the jacket, and I thought it would say, you know, to my son or, you know, especially made for his birthday, something. He had actually torn out all the pockets. And I went from complete joy and forgiveness back to rage, attack, separateness, superiorness, inferiorness. And I called him, told him that uh, I hated him. How dare he try to prove a point on my birthday after all these years. And he said, son, son, no, you, you don't understand that jacket is not for wearing. It's because I love you and I'm worried about you. You're just like me. You think money buys love and happiness. Wow. And I said, dad, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, manipulator, an overseller, a back end seller. He said, son, just hang it in the closet to remind you the pot, there's no pockets. You can't take anything with you when you're gone, please. And I told him I hated him and I hung up. Six years later, the second red flag occurred. I now was running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. I had moved on from being Samsung CEO of their phone division. And I now had access, as I mentioned before, to what even billionaires could afford. And I decided my best friend, Rob, from the fourth grade, he actually had at sixth grade camp asked my uh, wife to go study for me <laughs> at sixth grade camp. And she said, no, he embarrassed me in front of everyone. So I threw eggs at her. I told her she wasn't as pretty as her friends. I made things difficult uh, to reestablish a relationship in my late 20s because she absolutely hated me as a child. But Rob had stuck by me as a best friend through thick and thin. So I asked Rob if he'd like to come to the Masters with me. He's a huge golf fan. We could fly private, go to the NetJet party, hang out with Wayne Gretzky, Warren Moon, Chris Carter, a bunch of great celebrities. And he looked me right in the eye. And he said, no. I said, what? You don't want to go? He goes, I want to go, but I don't want to go with you or your friends. I said, why not? He goes, because I don't like what you and your friends are doing. I said, come on, Rob. I'm not doing what those guys are doing. He looked me in the eye again. And he said, David, you can lie to me all you want. But stop lying to yourself. I'm worried about you. You're going to end up dead. Hmm. I told him I hated him. Walked away crying. Two weeks later, my life, this is now two years before I lost everything. Two weeks later, my life would change forever. I uh, asked my wife if I could go to the Grammy Awards with a rapper named Little John. And my wife said, Dave, I don't think you should go. You're not paying attention to the family. You're not paying attention to your work. You are absolutely partying way too much and I'm worried about you. You really shouldn't go. Stay home with your family. I lied to my wife, told her I had a business meeting told her I was running late. I ended up coming home at 5.30 in the morning, completely wasted, knocked on the door, and there she was waiting for me to tell me she wasn't happy, told me she was leaving me, told me I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become or I was going to end up dead, and she didn't want to see that with her and our three children. I had three daughters at the time under eight years old. So I told her at that time I hated her, how dare you talk to me this way? I remember actually saying, look around you. Who do you think did all this? How dare you talk to me? The great and powerful Oz. You know, yeah. I like, went to bed, woke up even more full of hate. 
And just as I was thinking about calling a divorce lawyer to take my wife's happiness, her money, I looked over and in my closet for the first time in years, I saw that jacket. It had been years. Yeah. I saw that jacket and it just was staring at me. I was so mad. Just as I was looking at him, like, I hate my father. I hate my best friends. I hate my wife. I hate my life. I hate all of this. Nobody understands me, me, me. And I looked at that jacket and I realized, I don't hate any of them. I don't hate my dad. I don't hate my best friend. I don't hate my wife. I hated myself. Hmm. I just broke down. My basement that day had a basement. It had a bottom. And I sat there and started to think about those words. Take stock in who you are. Take stock in what you want to become. And I was saved that day. I found who I was in gratitude and forgiveness and accountability and inspiration in spirit, knowing that no longer was I going to live my life punished. Everything that happened in my life was for protection and promotion, and I was going to live my life that way. So two years later, I had reestablished my relationships with my father, with my best friend, with my wife. I lost everything, but I lost it under a perspective of protection and promotion, that it had saved my relationship with my father, that it had saved my relationship with my best friend, and it had saved my marriage, and most likely had saved my life. No better thing could have happened to me to protect and promote me. And here I am today with a different perspective of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication on a mission to empower over a billion people to be happy, to teach them how I have created abundance, made a lot of money, and helped a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. And that's why I take the time to do these interviews and to share my story with you and your community. And I appreciate the opportunity, hopefully, to plant seeds under trees that I may never sit under. And thank you so much for that. And I have to ask you, you know, a lot of times as, as individuals and I, I'm big on, you know, I'm building a community with men and, and I see this a lot. This was part of mine, you know, shame and failure and guilt, you know, these emotions that sometimes we don't deal with them in the proper way. And, and I'm thinking back to you being in that basement and how did you not allow yourself to judge yourself, to become victimized? You know, I mean, just thinking about that moment, you know, yes, you're looking at yourself, but how did you not judge yourself to have shame, to have guilt, to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not worth it. I'm not valuable and go down that path. Instead, you were like, I'm not worth it. I need to change. How does, how does, cause I'm thinking of somebody listening to this that may be dealing with shame or maybe dealing with the failures in their life. And they're, they're worried about taking that step because they're judging themselves. How did you allow yourself not to judge yourself in that moment? You know, I leveraged the experience I had in sports. I was never born the biggest, strongest, or fastest. But one thing I understood that most people didn't was that my behavior was uh, a direct correlation to outcomes consistent with the progress that it gave me and that I was never or could be aware of the progress of my behavior. Most people quit because they're not aware of the progress. And so they quit the good behavior because they expect to see progress and they don't because progress accumulates 
outside of our capability of awareness. It accumulates and then eventually it seems like an overnight success. We're stronger, we're faster, we lost weight, we're smarter, whatever it may be. And so my mindset in taking stock in who I was, was I was going to practice being my better self. I was going to practice enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential. I was going to choose which trajectories. I don't care anymore what other people thought. I didn't care they laughed, scoffed, made fun of me. I didn't care what other people wanted for me. I didn't care what was missing in my life. I didn't care what I didn't have anymore. I was going to practice and have faith that if I created and practiced good behaviors of what I wanted, who I could help, who could help me and how best to get it done and prioritize in that manner that instead of searching for my why as I had been doing for almost 36 years, that instead I'd be applying my why with practice. And so I took a sports approach and was blessed to not be a great athlete and have to utilize the idea of progress through good behavior and know that both good and bad behavior progress every day. We're incapable of seeing the progress. Therefore, if we continue good behavior and have faith that our progress is accelerating us towards a trajectory of what we think we want, eventually we'll get what we want or better. And if we don't, the bad behavior will accumulate and progress in a bad way, and it will be too late when the outcome is apparent to our human capabilities. And so practice, I created five daily practices of knowing my what, my who, my how, and my now, and applying my why in a trajectory of what I think that I wanted in the future. And even more importantly, uh, a later epiphany as I've been on this journey for 16, now 17 years coming to 2023, one of the interesting things I didn't realize till later in the journey is equally important to the daily practices, the daily uh, consistent, persistent pursuit was the meaning that I gave to my past. So many people hold themselves back, create interference, void shortages and obstacles because they give a meaning to the past, inflection points, defining moments of your past, traumas in your past, even historical relevances in your past. I know people that hold themselves back because of the Holocaust or slavery or the Civil War or a a Bible written 5,000 years ago. They limit themselves against the whole purpose of all of those different things, which was to be free. The meaning of those inflection points, historical relevance is freedom, but yet they enslave themselves because of the meaning they give it. So, I got really good at giving a meaning to my bankruptcy that is aligned with the trajectory of where I think I want to be each day. And I make sure that I'm learning the lessons, finding the light, the love, and the faith in my past to accelerate me and aggregate my compounding behaviors to where I want to be or think I want to be. And it's amazing to say that I'm just thinking about the meaning we give to our past and like, you know, whether you know my story or not, you know, I, I'm 31 and I was I was in active addiction from 14 to 26, served five years of my life in prison. And I never my, my the meaning I gave to my past was it defined who I was, you know, and, and I think that's sometimes what kept me stuck is I thought I was a failure. I thought I was a thief. But finally, when I made the decision to say, 
My past has a purpose. And that's why I believe maybe we connect on the, on the sharing of value to pe- other people because it gives my past a purpose. You know, even the failures I have today, I believe it will give my, my future a purpose because if I'm failing today, it may not be for me. It may be for somebody else. And, and that leads me into the question of what you were talking about, what you wanted and you knew what you wanted. How do you believe people find out what they want? Because in the world today, I, I talk to a lot of men and I'm, I'm specifically talking about men because it's my community of who I deal with a lot. And a lot of times men get stuck on what they actually want. They think what they want is what they want, if that makes sense. They're following social media. I want to make money. And when I talk to people, I say, why? What are you going to do with that? And they, they don't understand like, oh, I just thought. So what would be your advice to helping people find out what they actually want? What makes them happy? Not just chasing happiness. What actually makes them happy? Right. So the five daily practices assist us because we think about something simpler than this big, what do I want? So I have people think about what do you want today in a trajectory aiming towards happiness, health, wealth, whatever. And so I help people determine what are your non-negotiables to start? These are our trajectories. So my non-negotiables are my health. Right. If you're healthy, you get as many wishes and many at bats, as many chances as you want. If you're unhealthy, you only have one wish, one chance, one at bat. If secondarily, my non-negotiable is family. So I make sure that my relationships with those most relative to me continue to progress in a trajectory that I think I want. And then third is my activities that I get paid for. And I make sure that those are in a trajectory of what I want. So I go ahead and at a big level say, look, I have to have an aim, but I don't know, need to know exactly what I want. I don't need to know I need, you know, for me, a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars or a trillion dollars. I don't need to know that. What I need to know is that today, what I want personally, experientially giving and receiving are in line with being my best health, being my best personal relationships and making as much money as I can as fast as I can. Yeah. And I'm going to ask a selfish question. I'm sorry. I I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, So like as somebody who wants to bring people value and, and that's one reason, David, I've always fell in love with you. I mean, I've always watched your stuff and I can just, when you hear somebody, you see them, they want to bring people value. And that's, that's been my, my passion. You know, I have a, business right now that's operating itself. And now I'm doing this stuff to bring people value. Now you mentioned one time, as I listened to your content before of when you were doing that before there was pride and ego there, you know, there was arrogance there. And, and I say this all the time. I like to help people because it makes me feel significant. You know, it it brings me value. You know, it makes me feel like I'm valuable to other people. And I, I believe that creates a legacy. Now, how did you, how do you check yourself if that makes sense? You know, when I'm helping people and, and, and I, I talk to a lot of people, they want to bring people value. And sometimes I always say like, I want to make sure I'm not tricking myself that I'm doing this for me and I'm doing this for other people. You know, can you speak to that? Yeah. So the differentiator that I found is that if you're an influencer, then you have an ego-based consciousness that creates a separation of superiority by helping others. I have a mission of being an influencer and to be an influencer, you have to be in the flow. You can't work in the guise of a trade and negotiation of separation, inferiority or superiority. 
There's no blame, shame, or justification. There's no guilt, resentment, or offense. Uh, and so where I work is in three different steps. One, it's very difficult to carry the ignorant arrogance that you suggest when you appreciate everything you have. You don't take for granted what other people are wishing for or even what you're wishing for. So if we learn to add value to everything that we have, our original vessel accelerates or grows because appreciation is adding value. If your house appreciates, it goes up in value. So if you appreciate everything you have, you're able to find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything, people, places, opportunities, options, touches of favor, you now are expanding and growing aligned with the universe. The second step to keep ourselves out of ignorant arrogance and in ignorance humility is to acknowledge what we have. The only way we can acquire the knowledge or acknowledge what we have after we've appreciated is not to have it anymore. And so by giving it away or acknowledging when we lose it, have it stolen from us, manipulated from us, cheated from us, which I promise you, even as street savvy as you are as an ex-con and as street savvy as I am as a street hustler, I still lose shit. Mm -hmm. I still have it stolen from me, manipulated and cheated from me. And guess what? I now not only appreciate what I had, but I now acknowledge it and even carry more lessons when I don't just give it away when it's lost, stolen or cheated from me. Yeah. I acknowledge it even more. I acquire even more knowledge. Most people in some respect, even within the context of ignorant arrogance, as you suggest, do those two things. They appreciate almost everything. They try to acknowledge and give away as much as they can. They may not utilize being lost, stolen, cheated, or manipulated as acknowledgement. That's kind of a next step of enlightenment. But where most people fall down between the influencer, the ignorant arrogance, and the influencer, the ignorant humble, is asking for more. You see, to live within the world of more than enough, to live in a humble world where you have faith, there's more than enough of everything for everyone, where when you ask for something, you are not competing or taking away or winning or losing, you're adding value, is the idea and the paradigm of asking for more to know that we are adding value as well when we ask for more. That giving, receiving, and witnessing are one. That they all add value allow us to appreciate more, acknowledge more, and ask for more to create the flow of abundance with faith that there's an omniscient, all-powerful, infinite, abundant source that, er, we, that gives, receives, and witnesses more than enough for everyone and everyone, and everything and everyone. So for me, those three steps are what keeps me in what I call ignorant humility. I have one caveat to warn people of because it's very easy to see people as ignorant and arrogant when they are judging us, attacking us, putting conditions on us. But the most dangerous ignorant and arrogant people in our lives are the people that are more afraid for us than they are afraid for, for themselves. So take our parents, for example. Our parents are so afraid of something happened to us, they give us bad advice out of fear because they're so afraid of something happening to you 
that they live in ignorant arrogance. So they'll tell you, oh, you got to go to college or you have to do this. You got to. There, there's no basis for that. They don't know what they don't know, but they're pretending like they don't know out of fear. Yeah. Fear of something happening to you, which is a great intent, but it's damaging to the person that is taking the advice of the ignorant, arrogant ones. So for me, the ignorant, ignorant, arrogant people who attack me, that's easy for me not to listen to. But the ones who love me the most, that's the challenge for me to decipher where the kernels or the nuggets of good advice are within the people who love us most, because they display an ignorant arrogance worse than anyone because they're more afraid for us than they are for themselves. Yeah. Man, that was so good. That's so true. And and I want to end with this just to obviously respect your time so much. I want to make sure I get this question out because um, I'm dealing with obviously my community and I hear what they say. And I'm, I'm asking these questions mainly because I know people that are listening. This is the stuff that I'm talking to them about and I believe is going to provide them value. Um, you know, there's a lot of young kids who are coming out of high school right now. And, you know, I have a, I have a 19 year old son, 17 year old daughter, and I'm talking to a lot of young people who are coming out and they don't know what they want. And I know you kind of touched on what they want, but the one part that they're struggling with is, you know, okay, this person wants me to go to college, but I don't really know what I want. And they're, they're almost not taking action. So they're staying stuck, you know, and you work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I see this with business owners, they stay stuck. What would be your message to people right now who are like, I, I know I want to do this, but I'm, I'm kind of stuck. They're not creating action and they're in this place that they're stuck. What could you tell that person right now? Yeah, it's a great question. And the answer is in prioritization. Prioritization. First of all, feeling stuck is a good thing because you wouldn't feel stuck if you weren't trying. Think about that. A lot of people don't realize that. That's good. Right? Being stuck is a good thing because that means that you're trying and you're putting pressure, but you feel stuck. Right? If I never try to get out of this closet that's a studio of mine, and let's say my wife locked me in here. I don't know if she did or not because I'm not trying to get out. So I don't know I'm stuck, so I feel calm. But if I went over to the door and I realized my wife locked me in the closet, <laughs> all of a sudden I get super stressed. I'm like, I'm stuck in the closet. Yeah. I'm stuck. This is what people do. So first of all, you know, feel good about you have some capability or awareness that you're you're moving forward and progressing. You're, you're, you're you got stuck. The problem exists then. If we feel stuck, it's prioritization that's the antidote to being stuck to feeling overwhelmed, to procrastination. See, when we're capable of prioritizing what should we do now and what should we do next, we don't feel stuck anymore. And so in order to effectuate knowing what should I do now and what should I do next, I need to know what's important to me. So for example, going to college, you gotta do a timing and risk tolerance assessment, right? For me, personally, experientially giving and receiving, my parents could not afford college. So if I had to invest $250,000 in loans, spend four years getting something that I could get for free on YouTube, it may or may not be worth it, determinative upon what I want to get out of the college. Mm -hmm. But if you're like my kids and, you know, They're going to walk out of college not owing a penny. They get four years to hang out at the sorority and take cool classes and know that through the relationship capital and expertise that they gain, that they're going to get a six-figure job. And that's a whole different decision. Yeah. Needless to say, if either one of these kids, me when I was a kid or my kids when they're kids, don't know their priorities, 
both people, even though one has greater opportunities than the other financially, they both will feel stuck Mm -hmm. because they don't know what's important to them. So what I want you to do is number one, acknowledge, appreciate that you feel stuck because you are a consistent, persistent pursuer and feel good that you're living in abundance and then sit down and prioritize what's important to you. Do a timing and risk tolerance analysis. Look at your personal life, your experiential life, your giving life and receiving life and put a weighted balance of important. You may want to look at who you can help and who can help you. And then how best with the activity, a plan, don't have plan, sleep, activity you get paid for or don't get paid for, and then make an evaluation. This is what I'm going to do now because it's most important, not necessarily urgent. Urgency is a subset of importance. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do now. This is what I'm going to do next. This is what I'm going to do next. And when you know what you're going to do now and what you're going to do next and next and have a prioritization tool, you'll never feel stuck but you'll know that you're progressing because you'll be checking off all of the different action items of what you want to do, say, think, believe, and feel. The five levels of intention. And just to finish up, those five levels of intention are so important because it's the mathematical equation of luck. If you pay attention to what's important to you and you apply the prioritization of knowing what to do, say, think, believe, and feel next, Attention plus intention equals coincidence, the coinciding of the universe. Everyone else will call it lucky. You'll know that you know the mathematical equation to luck, that you paid attention and gave intention to the coincidence that you wanted or even better. I am going to finish up with this. I want to honor you, uh, Joseph, and your community. If anybody wants the five daily practices or my book, I will send the book to you for free. I will pay for shipping. I will sign the book to you. Everyone just email me directly, david at dmeltzer.com. Put it in the notes, david at dmeltzer.com. Google me, David Meltzer. DM me at David Meltzer. But go ahead. I would be happy to empower your entire community with the tools that got me to making everything, making more money, helping more people and having more fun, which is my mission. And I know, Joseph, that you are on my mission to help me empower others, empower others to do the same. David, that means so much to me. Honestly, just your time, even going a little bit over, I'll let you head out. Thank you so much just for being here, bringing value to us. And honestly, I I truly can't thank you enough. I know how valuable your time is. Even going four minutes over, it's a testament to who you are. So thank you so much, brother. You got it. Thank you, my friend. Take care, Joseph. Keep in touch. Thank you. And thank you guys for letting us share. Thank you, team.